0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Kaiju Carnage. I am your host, Cal the Kaiju Guy. So, okay, fellas, before I really get into the episode or anything like that, let me just go on ahead and explain a few things that's been going on on my end and why the podcast episode is so late to come out, and I've been very inactive on all of my social media with the kaiju activities and everything and information that I normally post. You long-time listeners know, because I've mentioned it a few times, that I live and have lived my entire life in central Louisiana. And at the time of this recording if you keep up with the news and things like that, guess what just hit the state of Louisiana? That would be one Hurricane Ida. Now, while I personally was not affected by the weather or the storm or anything like that, a little bit further south of where I live, I live in Alexandria, they were hit pretty hard. And my company, that I, I work for. I say it's my company. I don't own the company, but it's a local utility company that like handles electrical and all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm not a lineman, but I supply equipment and materials for linemen to be able to get their jobs done and everything. And so naturally, whenever this hit There's a bunch of linemen that go down south, not just from Louisiana. We got some assistance from Florida and some other places, a whole bunch of companies pitched in and they're trying to help get everybody get their power back and take care of the hurricane relief and all that stuff. And because of the company that I work for and my specific position, I work at the distribution center for the company so in order for anything to leave the company it has to go through the distribution center first so me and a whole bunch of other guys have basically been supplying all of the materials that's going down south to be able to help with hurricane relief and to fix the light poles replace the light poles new wire, new transformers, and all that kind of stuff, and it has been busy, busy, busy. I have put in at least 14-hour days for the last six days in a row. There's still no end in sight for, um, like, uh, to have a day off or anything like that. Uh, gonna be working the, uh, holiday coming up, like, it's just been busy, busy, busy. So, I apologize to all of you listeners that also pay attention to me on social media that hasn't been seeing my posts or my announcements or anything like that. I've just been slammed at work due to this hurricane. And, you know, yeah, the uh, the episode is very late. For those of you that do not follow me on social media, I did post on social media that there was the potential for the episode to be late and turns out it was. I would have loved to have had this recorded at the time of this recording last night to be posted for Saturday morning, but unfortunately, here I am. Uh, My house is a little chaotic right now. There's a lot of stuff going on in there and so I'm currently sitting in my pickup truck trying to record this episode, so... It's very hot down here, so if you guys hear some kind of humming or something like that, that is just the AC of my truck that's going or, you know, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to go. I don't know how the audio is going to go, so let's have at it. You know, figured I wanted to go ahead and get this recorded. I wasn't able to put as much into my research as I normally do for my other episodes and everything, but I do want to try and keep the one episode a week schedule that I've been doing for almost a year now. Holy mackerel. (laughs) It's kind of hard for me to believe it's September and I've been doing this podcast since December. So yeah, we're, we're coming up on a year in a few months and, uh, that's kind of mind boggling. It doesn't feel like I've been doing this for, uh, for this long, but so if uh if I sound a little off, it's because I'm very tired <laughs> and uh you know I've just been working like a maniac. So you know, with all of that out of the way, uh let's jump straight into it. Now the film that I'm going to be doing, this movie is a has a very much a love hate relationship with the kaiju fandom. Like anyone I've ever met that watched this movie, they were either like, oh yeah, it was really good, I really enjoyed it, or, oh my god, that movie was terrible, I couldn't stand it, it was nothing compared to the original. I happen to be one of the people that really, really enjoyed it. Now, the film that I'm talking about is the 2018 film, it is a sequel to the, well, you know, sorry. <laughs> I don't know why I even (laughs) went in like that. It's the 2018 film, Pacific Rim Uprising. Now, it is the sequel to the original film, Pacific Rim, that came out in 2013. I've already done an episode on Pacific Rim, so I talked about Like There's No Tomorrow, how huge of a fan I am of that movie. Like, you know, not just liking it for the kaiju genre. I just love the original film, and I have all of the comics and graphic novels that's been related to Pacific Rim. I have a massive Pacific Rim action figure collection. Um, I have a few novels concerning Pacific Rim. I watched Pacific Rim The Black the day it premiered on Netflix, and I binged it in one day. I have a few t-shirts. Like I mean, <laughs> like I'm a, I'm a huge huge fan of Pacific Rim. So whenever this sequel finally came out, I was just, I was so excited. I was so pumped. And, you know, because there for a while, it seemed like the movie was not going to happen. And I'm going to get more into that later on in the episode. But, you know, there for a while, it just really seemed like mm, it's not, going to happen. Like, there's not going to be a sequel. There was going to be nothing else. And I would have... It would have killed me to know that this wonderful franchise would have come to a screeching halt after just one film. So the fact that this film came out and now we have an anime series and there's been numerous comic book stories and a few novels and uh, novelizations to the movies, like... It's just wonderful to me that this franchise is really beginning to gain steam. The anime series has been very well received. We're going to be getting season two, and hopefully it goes on for a pretty good while. And you never know, we may get another movie. Ever since the first film came out, there's been talk and desire of there being a crossover between Pacific Rim and the Godzilla franchise that Legendary also does. And I would love to see that crossover happen. So the more properties that Pacific Rim does that hits off and is well received, the higher chance that we have for future movies and all of that. Now, when this film came, was announced and it came out, yeah, I watched the trailers. I pretty much had the same mentality as everybody else. Like, man, this is It doesn't look the same. It doesn't feel the same. I think anyone, and I'm not saying this just as a kaiju enthusiast, I'm saying it as a film enthusiast that I am, everyone was kind of a little skeptical about this film whenever the director of the original film, Guillermo del Toro, stepped down from director and was just simply going to act as a producer to the film. Because Guillermo del Toro is one of the best directors that is currently in the business, in my opinion. And whenever it was announced that he was stepping away and that Steven S. DeKnight was going to be taking over. Like, nothing against DeKnight, honestly. Nothing against him. I thought he did very well with the movie. But Guillermo del Toro are some huge shoes to fill. And so, yeah, I was a little skeptical. I was like, "Mm, you know, we'll see how this goes. And I have my opinions on that. I'll get to that towards the end of the episode. But, you know, it is what it is. I still ended up enjoying the movie. I was so pumped for the movie that um, I wasn't able to go opening night because I believe I was out of town. I think that's what was going on. I really can't remember to to be honest with you, but there was something that happened to where I was not going to be able to go opening night, which is what I wanted to do. So what I did was I bought the novelization to the film (laughs) and while I was doing whatever it was I was doing, wherever it was I was at, I honestly can't remember. I read the novelization in one sitting. And, uh, cause I just, I wanted to know what happened. I didn't want to just get on Wikipedia and like read a very basic plot line to it or anything. So I read the novelization. I was pretty pumped about it. I was pretty excited. I'm like, okay, I really enjoyed the book. Um, I know I've mentioned in some past episodes, I'm a huge fan of reading novelizations to movies that I love because novelizations give more detail and also, Most of the time, novelizations is what the original film is supposed to be. Like, basically what happens is they hand a script to the director, they hand a script to an author, and they say, go for it. And the reason why there are differences is because the author will pretty much just write whatever it is the script was supposed to be, and he'll novelize it. While the director may say, "Huh." You know we talked about this at first but now that I'm actually trying to shoot the scene I don't care for it let's change this up and do this a little bit different so whenever you read the novelization that's basically what the film was originally supposed to be and also it just adds more details and things like that just for a quick example on that and I'm going to do an episode on specific novelizations of movies but just specifically I'm going to uh, mention this about the Godzilla vs. Kong novelization. Now, anyone that watched the movie would know that Skull Island was pretty much ravaged by storm. Kong had a very small environment. Whenever they're out in the middle of the sea, in the ocean, he's eating fish. You visibly see him smile and while he's eating. And <clears throat> whenever he actually gets to the Hollow Earth, as soon as he kills a war bat... He rips its head off and drinks slash eats the inside of its skull. All of that is in the movie, and everyone was just kind of like, oh, you know, whatever. But if you read the novelization, you will realize that the movie does not mention Kong was malnourished. Like, he he did not have a good means to get food, or the amount of food that he needed on Skull Island, because of the conditions of it and everything, so whenever he eats the fish in the ocean, he's genuinely happy, like, this is the most he's eaten in a good while, and he's happy about that. The moment he kills the warbat, hey, I'm still hungry, I'm just gonna eat your insides real quick, you know, as a little snack before I get going. None of that is mentioned in the movie, but it is mentioned in the novelization, so I cannot stress enough, read the novelizations, on movies that you like. It'll give you little details like that that you just would not be able to get just by simply watching the movie. So, you know, I read the novelization to Pacific Rim Uprising. I was pretty well satisfied with it. Couldn't wait to watch it. The next day, everything went back to normal. I went to uh, went to the theater, watched the film, and just came out really, really enjoying it. And, you know, of course, I started hearing... About how so many people didn't like it. There was a lot of complaints about it. While I love the movie, I completely see and understand everybody's complaints. I can't... I can't argue with them. Like, they're valid points. I get it. I, the the movie is a very split-down-the-middle type of film. You love it or you hate it. And I happen to be somebody that loves it. I've met, I've met plenty of people that can't stand it. And you know, it is what it is. But all right, guys, that's probably the longest intro I've ever done in an episode. I've bored you enough with all of that information. So let's jump straight into the movie. Now, as I mentioned earlier, Guillermo del Toro had stepped down as director and Stephen S. DeKnight had taken his place. This was going to be DeKnight's, like directorial and writer debut for a big blockbuster movie. And so this guy, I feel bad for him, guys. I really do. Like, you know, not only is it his debut and he's trying to, you know, he's dealing with all of those nerves, like, man, is my first big budget film gonna gonna do good and all that kind of stuff. He had done a few uh, TV shows and everything. If you've seen the uh, show Spartacus that came on Starz uh, back in the day, great show, by the way. Um, like he directed a very good many episodes of that. He may have directed them all. I honestly don't know because I haven't dug into that type of information, but I know he directed a good many episodes of that show. So he had, he had director experience. He had just never really done a big budget film before. And so this was going to be the first one. And like I mentioned earlier, he was filling in for Guillermo del Toro, massive shoes to fill. Honestly, this guy never stood a chance. Like, if there was any type of negative feedback of any kind that happened with this movie, it was 100% going to fall on his shoulders. And I think people were overly harsh to him. I think that they were just, you know, they treated him unfairly, in my opinion. So, you know, whatever. Guillermo del Toro, uh, instead of being director, would inst- he would serve as a producer to the film. Now, how this movie came about, I don't have a whole lot of information on like the production of the movie or anything like that. I'm my- mo- mostly going to talk about some of the Jaegers and the Kaiju that are in the film. So, very briefly, I'll talk about the origins of this movie, how it came about. Now, the original film, as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, was released in 2013. Prior to that film's release, in 2012, Guillermo del Toro was already talking about sequel ideas. That's just the amount of faith that he had in this movie, and that he wanted it to, you know, do good and all of that. And he just, he felt that it was going to be something good and something special. And so he already had sequel ideas that was, you know, going through his head. Well, the original film comes out. Yeah, it had some negative reaction from critics. Average moviegoers were kind of like, meh, to it. Kaiju fans, for the most part, adore the movie. And it was a success in the box office. Not a massive success, but a success nonetheless. So if you have some pretty decent reception and it made money at the box office, shouldn't take a rocket scientist to figure out this movie's going to get a sequel. So all that happened in 2013. The sequel gets greenlit. There's just one little itty bitty issue. Legendary Pictures, who does who did the movie, and yet they also did the Godzilla movie and like Kong Skull Island and all of that. They their contract with Warner Brothers ran out. And so they re-signed a contract with Universal. So they moved the property over to Universal, and anyone who has really dealt with paying attention to how movies are made and studio interference and everything. Here lately Warner Brothers has been pretty pretty rough about it. But for years and years and years, Universal has been notorious for causing problems with productions and all of that. So it moves to Universal and it's supposed to begin production in November of 2015. However, conflicts with Universal start popping up. There's just, they're having budget issues. They're having, you know, timing issues. They're having scheduling issues and all of that kind of stuff. Like anything that can be nitpicked gets nitpicked. And so it just, it halts production. And Eventually, Universal actually indefinitely put the sequel on hold. Basically, like in, in movie terminology, that basically means this movie isn't happening. Guillermo del Toro was still very, very hopeful. And he kept writing the script because he was like, no, we're going to get the movie made. You know, he would post on Twitter every now and then, like, everything's fine. The movie is going to get made eventually. I'm still working on it. He goes on and finishes the script for the sequel and comes up with a budget and presents it to Universal. Universal's kind of thinking about it. "Eh, You know, we're not too sure. We don't know if we want to mess with it or not. And then another kink gets thrown in there. Legendary Pictures gets bought out by a company called the Chinese Wanda Group. Now, lots of people at that time were like, this is actually a good sign that the sequel will be able to move forward because the original film, Pacific Rim, was a massive hit in China. So the fact that now China owned the studio that was helming this movie kind of gave it a little bit more of a nudge in the this-is-going-to-happen category. And, you know, people started to get hopeful yet again. And so, eventually, it got announced, okay, we're moving forward, the movie's gonna happen and everything, we're gonna do it. It was about this time that Guillermo del Toro stepped down as director and tonight was announced as his replacement. And in between... Del Toro stepping down and Denight being replaced. Del Toro's script was rewritten. Then, Denight got announced as director. Another script was rewritten. So now it's been rewritten twice. There's three different versions of the script. And basically what Denight did was he was like, I'm going to nitpick... Elements from all three different scripts that I like. And I'm going to pretty much put it all together. And that's going to be my movie. And so that's what he did. All of this that's happening was pretty much everyone being under the impression that Charlie Hunnam, that played Raleigh Beckett from the original film, the main character of the film, that he was going to return. I think it was like a day, or maybe two days, a week at the most, after the final script was written, okay, this is what's happening, let's start casting and all of that, they reach out to Charlie, be like, hey man, you want to reprise your role? He says, nope, I'm working on another movie, which happened to be King Arthur, The Legend of the Sword. And I believe, I'm not entirely sure about the pronunciation of this film, but I believe it was uh, Papillion. He was working, he was going to be working on those. Both of those films are going to come out uh, that year. And so he's like, I can't do it. Like my schedule is just all thrown off. There's no way I'm going to be able to make that happen. So yet another rewrite of the script had to happen to be able to get rid of Riley out of you know, the story and all of that. So that's pretty much how the origins of the movie came about. So before they even put anything in front of a camera, this film's starting to have some issues, you know? So all of that happened. And then they actually start casting, wanting to bring, you know, are we gonna bring back original characters? Are we going to create a whole bunch of more brand new characters? Like, what's going to happen? What exactly are we going to do? So, first and foremost, they bring back Charlie Day and Bern Gorman to reprise their roles as Newt and Gottlieb, And they were fan-favorite characters from the first film. I love both of them. In the first film. So I was super super happy. That they both came back. For this movie. And then also the character of Mako Mori. Also returns for. This film. In a very. Like brief appearance. That she has. Now. New to the film. Was going to be John Boyega. I believe that's how you say his name. He was going to be playing Jake Pentecost. Who is the son of of Stacker Pentecost that was played by Idris Elba in the original film. And also Scott Eastwood was added to the film and he was going to be playing the character by the name of Nate Lambert. And I love Scott Eastwood. I'm a big fan of that guy. I'm a big fan of his dad. I've seen many, many, many Clint Eastwood films. So the moment Scott Eastwood popped up and you know, you see that rascal and he looks exactly like his dad did around that age. It's kind of creepy. Well, not really creepy, but uncanny. And so, Scott Eastwood didn't take much for me to become a fan of him just because of who his dad is. And so, they were added to the film. And then, just a whole bunch of other original characters were added in. And... So that pretty much does it for actually talking about a lot of the production and stuff like that, because not a lot of information exists out there. If it does exist, I certainly couldn't find it. And like I said, I wasn't able to do as much research as I normally do because of what's going on with my work life currently due to the hurricane. So we're just going to jump straight into talking about the different Jaegers And the kaiju that are in this movie. Because let's be honest here. Same thing with the original film. That's what everybody cared about. Jaegers and kaiju. That's giant robots versus giant monsters. It's like every little kid's dream. Every little kid I've ever known. Or you know every person I've ever met. That whenever they were a little kid. At some point in time. In their imagination. Or with their toys. They played giant robot fighting a giant monster. This is this is something that everybody, you know, so many people out there have been waiting for and wanting and everything. And so it was finally going to happen. So let's talk about the Jaegers and the Kaiju. Now, Gypsy. Let's talk about Gypsy. Before I jump too deep into Gypsy, and I'm going to talk more about this in detail later on. I do not care for Gypsy Avengers design all of that much. I loved Gypsy Danger. I have multiple figures of Gypsy Danger. I have a few t shirts of Gypsy Danger. Like, I'm just, I'm a big fan of Gypsies, one of my all time favorite Jaegers. Now, Avenger, it looked a little bit too modern. To me, and I know that sounds weird, but it just it did, it looked too sleek, it looked too advanced, it didn't look rugged enough to me. Just just my personal preference. Now, there are some people that were quoted saying that what they basically wanted to go for with the designs of the Jaegers in this film versus the Jaegers in the original film. Was the original Jaegers were pretty much compared to tanks. Like from military. Just tanks. So you have the original ones that are tanks. And the new ones that were coming out. They were being compared to fighter jets. So that's the type of change that they wanted to make. There's a pretty big difference in the look of a tank versus a fighter jet. One is bulky and hulking the other is very sleek very you know aerodynamic dynamic and like you know just that's just what they wanted to go for and i'm sorry i did not care for the sleek look i preferred the more rugged look that was in the original film so when it comes to gypsy avenger yeah i'm not i'm not crazy about her i'm really not i like especially trying to fill the shoes of Gypsy Danger. Like, it just just didn't work for me. It just didn't. Now, on to some of the other Jaegers. First up, we have Guardian Bravo. I like Guardian Bravo in this film. I like the way that he looked. I like the way that he moved. Uh, Guardian Bravo was a Mark VI. The most special thing about Guardian. That makes him stand out, because each Jaeger has to have something, obviously, to make them stand out, is his arc whip. That's what the weapon was called. The arc whip is basically, it's a whip that has, like, electrical energy that comes out of it and all of that kind of stuff. And it was based on the design of the sword that was on Gypsy Danger in the original film. And the sword ended up making the transition to Gypsy Avenger in this film. And Guardian Bravo, uh, he ends up, you know, he's part of the big battle, the uh, Tokyo battle, whenever the other three kaiju make a breach and they show up to fight and destroy the city and all of that and try to make it to Mount Fuji. And Guardian Bravo is one of the Jaegers that show up to try and stop them. Guardian Bravo meets his end after... The merger, we'll call that, the combination, no, we'll call it the merger, of the three kaiju to form the Mega Kaiju. That's actually what on Newt's tablet, whenever he's, you know, looking at his tablet and everything up at the top, it actually says Mega Kaiju. So that was, that's basically what Newt was calling him. Uh, the Mega Kaiju Rex, Guardian Bravo. I mean, Rexing. You had two teenage pilots that was inside. They thought they were untouchable. They thought that they could do whatever in the world that they they could. Thought they were unstoppable. They charge the Mega Kaiju. And they hit him with the arc whip. Mega Kaiju just grabs the arc whip and effortlessly Sling, spins Guardian Bravo in a circle, slamming it up against buildings, through buildings, and then just hurls him down the city where he smashes through like another four or five buildings and one of the pilots are killed. Now, that's not saying that Guardian Bravo is a punk Jaeger. He's a very strong Jaeger. The only, the only problem is... No matter what pilot was in, or pilots, was in Guardian Bravo at the time, the Mega Kaiju is just insanely overpowered. It is insanely large compared to many other kaiju that we've seen in live-action film. This thing, like, it grabbed a full Mark VI Jaeger, And threw it around like it was nothing. So that just goes to show just how strong and powerful the Mega Kaiju is. And that's how Guardian Bravo met his end. Which, like I said at the beginning of this, I liked Guardian Bravo. I actually did like his look. He didn't have quite as much of a sleek look to him. He was kind of bulky. I'm not going to lie. I I like to see the Jaegers a little bit bulky. I just do. And... He just, he had the look and I liked the colors that he had. I was a fan of Guardian Bravo. That's why I own an action figure of him. I liked Guardian Bravo. Now, probably my favorite Jaeger from this film was Bracer Phoenix. Yeah, starting to notice a trend. You're noticing that I'm liking the really big hulking Jaegers. Bracer Phoenix was the massive Jaeger, the one that was built like, I mean, he looked, he was Donkey Kong. (laughs) <laughs> in in robot form. I guess that would be Mechanicong from King Kong Escapes, if I'm being honest with you. That's a kaiju joke. Not all of you are gonna get that, but you know, it is what it is. Anyway, Bracer Phoenix. Bracer Phoenix is a Mark V, and this is only the second Jaeger that we've seen in film that requires three pilots. The first one was Crimson Typhoon from uh the first film the red Jaeger that was a very popular Jaeger amongst the fans he's still very popular and Bracer Phoenix now also needs 3 pilots to be able to operate it but not fully to the extent like Crimson Typhoon did and Bracer Phoenix like I liked the way that he looked I liked the um I honestly cannot remember the name of the weapon the big like ball and chain that's on the end of his arm that he throws. That was not originally supposed to be part of him. That was part of another Jaeger, but after the uh, drone attack, they had to fix some things the best that they could, and they actually attached that particular weapon to Bracer Phoenix so that he could go and fight because the other Jaeger was just too far gone. Now, <clears throat> I liked Bracer Phoenix. I liked his look. Honestly, he reminds me of Cherno Alpha, which for anyone that listened to my first episode, will, you'll remember I loved Cherno Alpha. Big fan of Cherno Alpha. And so that's probably why I really, really like Bracer Phoenix because he reminds me of Cherno a lot. And Bracer Phoenix was also destroyed during the Tokyo battle whenever he went up against the Mega Kaiju and the Mega Kaiju literally tore him apart with his bare hands. Now, the next one, here's one I do not care about. Saber Athena. I'm not going to lie. It's because it's the the sleek look. It just is. I do not care for the sleek look. I do not care for how skinny it was. I just... (laughs) I just did not care for it. Now... What's so special about Saber Athena? She was a Mark Seven. That's a pretty good, that's a pretty high up mark for uh, especially those of you that uh, pay attention to the original film where a lot of those Jaegers that are in that film are Mark III's, Mark II's, Mark IV's, you know, and all that. So to, so here we are with a Mark VII. And she was also destroyed during the battle with the Mega Kaiju. And her big weapon that she has is two uh, sabers that she has. So I guess, you know, there you go. That's that's my opinion on Saber Athena. Not a big fan. Now, the next one that I'm going to talk about, I know I just said a little while ago I did not care for the sleek look. But for some reason, it just really works with this one. This is the bad guy, quote unquote, Jaeger that's in the film. Obsidian Fury. I like the way he looked. I like the way he walked. I like the black color that he had to him. His ferocity. Like, I just, I'm down with this Jaeger. I really, really liked him. And, you know, this just kind of goes to, like, what I talked about earlier about how people were kind of upset about how you know, you love it or hate it with this kind of movie and everything, one of the things that people were upset about was the lack of kaiju action that was going to be in the film. And I will say that is also a genuine complaint of mine. Whenever you're watching a movie that is going to be connected to the original Pacific Rim and someone that has seen the film tells someone who hasn't seen the film yet, you're going to be more interested in two Jaegers fighting Than an army of Jaegers going up against an army of Kaiju. That's a problem. But it is what it is. I loved Obsidian Fury. I really, really liked the battle. Both battles that Obsidian had with uh, Gypsy. Like, you know. It was a Kaiju-Jaeger hybrid. This hybrid was also the blueprint that Newt was going to use... For um, creating the drones and making all of the drones be kaiju-jaeger hybrids. Obsidian Fury is that blueprint. And so he was the original. He was awesome. I really loved him. By the way, guys, I know I keep calling Charlie Day's character Newton, Newt. That's just... I, 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 I mean, that's just me. I just do. I know his name is Newton. I just call him Newt, personally. But other than that, another Jaeger that made an appearance was November Ajax. November Ajax had, you know, I kind of like his design. I really like the color of blue that he has to him. Uh, Blue is my favorite color, by the way, because anyone was wondering. If you want to send me any presents of any kind with uh, blue in it, I'd appreciate it. (laughs) But uh, so November Ajax is a Mark VI he shows up at the very beginning of the film. He is the Jaeger that is pretty much the basically the milita- military police. And he's chasing after Scrapper, the little itty-bitty Jaeger, in the beginning. And he has a little bit of trouble with him at first, but he ends up getting him nonetheless. Now... Um, November Ajax was there during the drone attack. He was... He was just damaged to the point to where he could not partake in the Tokyo battle, but he did take part in the Uprising War, which the Uprising War, if you haven't paid any mind to um, the Netflix show Pacific Rim the Black, the Uprising War was another resurgence of a whole lot of kaiju coming through the breach and just basically overwhelming humanity. And... November Ajax just you know he he fought in the uh uprising war. Will we see him again in Pacific Rim of the Black? You know, we don't know. I'd like to. I liked him. I liked his design. Now there's another Jaeger. These other Jaegers that I'm about to mention, they were just simply, you know, they were there. And I'm only mentioning them because they were on screen for a little while. There's Valor... Oh my god. Valor Omega was also there during the drone attack. It was damaged to the point where it could not take part in the Tokyo battle. Also fought in the Uprising War and was destroyed. Then there is Scrapper. Everyone knows Scrapper. Everyone has an opinion on Scrapper. They either love Scrapper or they hate Scrapper. Just like the movie. I like Scrapper. I thought he was a pretty cool little Jaeger. I know my brother really liked uh, Scrapper. So yeah, that's Scrapper. One Only needed for one pilot because it's small enough to where one pilot can handle it all with the neural load. And, you know, yeah, that was Scrapper. And then there is the drone Jaegers that you think are going to be just, oh, regular old drones. But then, oh, nope plot twist they're actually kaiju hybrids and all of that and there's a good many of them and there i'm sure there were other jaegers that were seen very slightly or very briefly um and everything but i can't get into every single jaeger that's in there i mean if i talk about everything like that this episode is just gonna go on and on and on and on because it don't take much of nothing for me to talk about pacific Rim. So, all right, guys, that pretty much does it for the Jaegers. So now let's move on to the Kaiju. First up, we have Raijin. This Kaiju is a Cat 5. Now, the only other Cat 5 we had seen before with Pacific Rim was Slattern. That was the big Kaiju, the last one to come through the breach in the original film. So this one is also a Cat 5. This is the only only the second Cat 5 Kaiju we have seen on screen. Now, what's really cool about Raijin, one of my favorite things about it, because I think it's just a really cool ability, its headplate can absorb and redirect energy. The very first, basically, contact that they're going to have what Raijin was Gypsy Avenger throwing a punch, it closing its head plate, absorbing the impact from the punch, and you see the energy pretty much go all through its body, come back down to its hand, energize completely inside of its hand, and then whenever he pops Gypsy, Gypsy goes flying. I mean, she's gone. So, Raijin was pretty cool. Strike Thorns, next up. Cat 4, um uh, Kaiju. Cat 4 Kaiju. This one, there's not a whole lot that really stands out about this one. It's got a bunch of spikes going down its back. Its face kind of looks very, very similar to Slattern that's in the original film. Uh, this one maybe, you know, is a little bit more cunning than the other two because while the other two Kaiju, because three Kaiju make the breach, uh, for Tokyo, while the other two are battling the Jaegers, Strike Thorn waits and kind of bides his time and decides to pick his moment as to when he's actually going to jump into the battle. It didn't really come to much of nothing like it was you know just whatever but it does show a little bit more cunning from Strike Thorn than what the other two had. Now this next one is actually my favorite kaiju from the film. I just really like the look of it and also it reminds me of a certain other kaiju that um i'm a huge fan of i'm talking about hakuja hakuja i guess that's how you'd pronounce him he is also cat four this one is pretty much covered in a crustacean like armor and he can burrow underground and all that there's not a whole lot that really stands out about him the armor pretty much protects him from just about anything like some big hits that happen like on his head or on his back his belly is exposed But anything, like, attacking the plates, he would pretty much be good. Like, it would take a massive amount of force to be able to get through his plates. And, not gonna lie, one of the reasons I like him is just, it's probably kind of silly, and you guys are gonna be like, are you kidding me? I like crustaceans. (laughs) I just do. I think crabs are cool, like there's no tomorrow, and the fact that he has very crustacean-like armor immediately made me like him and the fact that he burrows underground for a lot of his travel it reminds me of Angiris. and you long-time listeners know i'm a huge fan of Angiris. so hakuja was actually my favorite kaiju from the film now time for the big guy the mega kaiju otherwise known as the hostile that's actually his official name the hostile Steven S. DeKnight also liked to call him Big Daddy. I am not going to do that. That is silly. More power to him. I know it's his creation and everything. He can call it whatever he wants to. I am not calling any kaiju in all seriousness Big Daddy. It's just not happening. So, his actual official name is The Hostile, and this thing is massive. Like I said earlier, he's easily one of the largest and strongest of the kaiju that we've ever seen lot on like, you know, live action on screen. Like he's just huge. He has taken attributes from all three of the other kaiju that merged to form him. He has some crustacean-like armor to give him protection. He has the same exact ability that Raijin had to where he can absorb and redirect kinetic energy, but also he can just release that kinetic energy anytime he wants to. He can store it up and release it. One of the first attacks that he does is just by punching the ground and sending a shockwave towards the Jaegers. That was strong enough to where if you pay attention, it actually moves the Jaegers a little bit. No, I'm sorry. That's not the shockwave. That's his roar. But still, even that, his roar is strong enough to where, like, he roared, he sent a few things flying, like cars and things like that, and you actually see the Jaegers standing before him, and they, they move back a little bit. Like, that's just how massive and strong this guy is, to where his roar can make Jaegers flinch. Like, tch. he was cool, he was awesome. I really, really, really enjoyed him. And, man, it's just, you know, whenever you have a franchise like this, it's just a shame that things like this that are that cool, they pop up and they're really awesome and people love them and then they die at the end of the movie and then that's pretty much the last that you ever hear of that kaiju. Now... That pretty much does it for talking about all the Jaegers and the uh, Kaiju. So, wrapping up now, there's just a few more things. Uh, Comparisons to the original movie. You know, I've, I've talked about it here and there throughout the episode. Part of the reason why people just did not flock to this film like they did the original is just because it felt like the passion was not there. Like, Guillermo del Toro loved this product. He loved making it. He loved creating it. He put a crazy amount of detail into anything and everything that he did with this movie. And that was just completely absent in this one. And not only that, but I know this is going to be weird to kind of say it like this. This one kind of lost like the realisticness that the original one had. Like, if you watch the original one and you think, okay, this takes place in the future, hypothetical situation. If giant mon- monsters did come from the ocean and humanity had to create giant robots to do battle with them, well, then the original film is pretty realistic. Like, that's about how it would go and all of that. With this one, like, you just kind of feel like, eh. I just, like, it's just not, it's not the same. One of the big things that I can, I think of about how it's just so unrealistic in this one is in the original film, when the Jaegers go to get deployed, they just simply airdrop them in, they land, they start marching to go do their thing. And this one, whenever the Jaegers, you know, first show up to battle the three kaiju in Tokyo... Like, boom, they're all striking, like, the Power Rangers' poses and all that kind of stuff. And then out of nowhere, here comes Bracer Phoenix sliding in. You know, like, it's just it's just silly. And just for, like, visual stuff that they wanted, just to make things look good visually. Like, when Saber Athena is going through the city and she ignites her sabers and she's slicing through buildings to run and get to the kaiju and everything like Tokyo was just attacked. There's no way people have had enough time to evacuate all of those buildings. You're basically like, they were basically just destroying buildings that very potentially still had a whole bunch of people in them and all of that. Same thing with gypsy Avenger, whenever he's trying to, um, whenever he's using the gravity beam to pull buildings down on top of a, uh, of a kaiju. And I'm sitting there thinking, dude, like, why are you just willy-nilly throwing buildings at this thing and all of that kind of stuff? Like, I don't know. It's just things like that. I normally don't like to think of myself as a nitpicky person when it comes to my movies. But whenever I love something like the original and then the sequel is junk like that, like, it just, you know, it, it just gets me. And... Naturally, as we've all pretty much figured out, there is no third film. Um, It's not looking like there will be a third film. The reception of this movie was not very well. It did not make hardly any money in the box office. It was a disappointment. It didn't make so little to where it's considered a bomb. But, you know, it is... It was a disappointment. And they leave the film open with a cliffhanger like humanity is going to go to the antverse to battle with the uh, the kaiju and all of that and we we pretty much never got to see that just because of the negative reception of this film but it took a little while and we actually have an anime series now it's called Pacific Rim the Black uh, I'm gonna be doing an episode on that eventually. I have things about it that I really really like. there were also things about it that I cannot stand, and we'll get into that whenever I actually you know get to the episode and all that on that particular show so alrighty guys that pretty much does it for Pacific Rim uprising. so I hope you enjoyed the episode as always, give me a like or a follow on uh, social media. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and Reddit. Completely disregard the Twitter. I've given up on Twitter. They suspended my account because apparently I posted too many pictures and used too many hashtags and they thought that I was a bot and now I can't get my account back. So I said, you know what? The heck with Twitter. I'm not going to mess with it. So Facebook, it's, uh, the same profile picture and name as the podcast, Kaiju Carnage, a Godzilla slash King Kong podcast. And on Instagram, it's my personal Instagram account. I really only post on that whenever I'm getting ready to post an episode and also to let people know that I have posted an episode. It's on my personal account. The name is Michael Cal Woodman, K A L. I know some people have sent me a few messages and they call me Kyle. My name, it's not Kyle, it's Cal, as in Cal L. Like, I mean, I'm not trying to be a smart aleck right now, but that's what my nickname is. It's because uh, people call me Cal because I'm a massive Superman fan. So personal Instagram account, Michael Cal Woodman. You know, I post a few pictures on there. Not super, super active, but I am. And I'm also on Reddit, and the name of the Reddit is just simply Kaiju underscore Carnage. I'm also on Good Pods, which is a social media uh, platform basically for podcasters. Go give me a like and a follow on that. It's um, uh, Kaiju Carnage, a Godzilla slash King Kong podcast. And you can leave individual ratings and comments and things like that on episodes. And I can interact with you guys on that. You know, about if you have any comments on certain episodes, just go to them and leave a comment, and I'll be able to interact with you. And uh, always, I always say, please go give me a review and or rating on whatever platform it is that you use that helps search algorithms pull up my show faster whenever people search like so if they search for a godzilla or a king kong or a kaiju podcast i want mine to be one of the ones that pop up in searches not like a whole bunch of the other ones that are out there just because those guys already had thousands of followers on their social media accounts and everything and when they did a podcast they immediately had an audience I've had to build this stuff, this up from the ground up and, you know, I'm constantly trying to find new listeners and I'd appreciate any ratings and reviews that you guys can give me. And as always, shoot me a message if you want to see me do anything different, more of something, stop doing something entirely, you know, I will take it all into account and we'll go from there. And one last thing, the announcement for next week. I haven't put a whole lot of thought into it. Um, So, you know what? I was leaning towards one movie, but right now I'm kind of questioning if I want to do that. So, you know what? As of right now, I do not have an announcement for next week. I will do an episode next week. I just haven't come up with uh, whichever one I'm, I'm going to do. So, if you want to actually know what the film is going to be, without having to wait all the way till next week to see what the movie is going to be. That gives you more of a reason to follow me on social media because I make all of my announcements on Facebook. So, alrighty guys, that does it. Thank you once again for all of the support. I'm about to reach another milestone with the podcast. Wouldn't be doing this without you guys. Y'all are the best listeners that there are. I love the messages and the comments that you guys send me all the time on Messenger and all of that kind of stuff. Keep it up. I love talking with you guys. I love sharing y'all uh, you know, having y'all share y'all's kaiju experiences with me and all of that. So, big big fan. And also, if you follow me on social media, you might see in the future I'm going to might I'm thinking about starting up some contests to give away kaiju merchandise that I have. So, go give me a like and a follow on Facebook. If you want to potentially win some free figures or any other kind of collectibles that I feel like giving away. So, alrighty guys, we'll catch you all next time. This is Cal the Kaiju Guy, signing out.